Download the app. Bet big, win bigger. I've got to tell you, I really like the sound of that. And with WinBet, it's just that easy. From boosted parlays to live in-game odds on every major sport, WinBet has what you need to win. So if you're from Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, or right here in Virginia, sign up today to receive a special offer. A risk-free $1,000 sports bet. New users can also take advantage of WinBet's Bet $1, win $100 offer. Simply bet $1 and receive a $100 free bet. Come on, guys and gals. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com. Download the app, bet big, and win bigger. And let's get after it. Terms and conditions apply. Must be 21 or older and present in a state where WinBet is available. Gambling problem? In Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. In Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, and Virginia, call 1-800-GAMBLER. And in Michigan, 1-800-270-7117. Tennessee, y'all too. 1-800-889-9789. I knew who these guys were. So what it did was I knew that I had to get over Right. I knew I didn't have a whole bunch of time. Right. And I knew... That when they threw it, I had to catch it and um, try to make the best of it. And to me, I just always tried to do things to make them feel better about themselves. Yeah. Um, I used to try to make spectacular catches so that they knew they didn't have to be perfect. Phnom Penh, Cambodia. Hey, we are big in Cambodia. We're big in Kuwait. We're big in Cambodia, too. We got a letter from the the U.S. Embassy. (laughs) Hey, I had a teacher growing up who was like, not you'll never amount to nothing because I had money and all that, but like, kind of like, hey, fuck you, kid. You're you're just not real smart. You're not going to do anything but, but maybe play football. And if I have anything to do with it, you won't play football. That kind of vibe. I'm not going to name the teacher, but we just got a letter from the Cambodian uh, U.S. Embassy. You ever gotten one of those? All right, it's from Brendan. He listens to our podcast, which is scary because I am a, I am a wreck, dude. I am just a regular guy uh, with very regular problems, and you're listening to me talk for like two hours a day, and you're somebody who works at an embassy? <laughs> Reevaluate, Brendan. I appreciate you. Hey, stay safe. Uh, he was stuck over there during COVID and, and was just banging out the, uh, the green light content. So shout out to Cambodia. We're big there too. It's just me in studio today, me and Cowboy Reed. We're like the walking wounded coming back from, uh, from Las Vegas. But what a trip to Vegas. One more time. Thank you to the win. Thank you to uh, Blue Wire. You guys rock. Rolled out the red carpet. We felt good about the trip. And uh, it exceeded expectations. So thank y'all. Layup line today, I'm going to go, uh, hey, some Maxo cream with a K. 
Mr. Max, so took you at a crib, blue shirt night. Every time they see me, they like, ooh, that's new ice. New G63, cut the roof, not the top back. We shooting two, two threes out the roof, knock the top back. What I look like. This is uh, off the new album, Way to the World, which I was not aware was out. Didn't know anything about the album. Dragonfly Jones, shout out to my buddy on Twitter, Richmond, Virginia, uh, Twitter legend. Actually recently gotten a little dust up with uh, Kevin Durant on Twitter. I was like, oh, look who's famous. <laughs> he had tweeted the link to this album, Way to the World by Max O'Cream, we're from Houston. And I was like, ah, fuck it, I'll take a listen. This was Sunday night in Vegas. Uh, and I had a couple of those shiny new edibles from Planet 13 in Las Vegas, thank you very much. Uh, and I had like one of the best first listens to a rap album I've had experientially in a couple of years and I had to you know give it a day to make sure that I didn't say anything too outlandish as a result of uh the gummies but I'm gonna this might be my favorite uh, rap album of the year it, it might be so check it out uh Maxo Cream Way to the World and he managed to get a song with Gibbs so you know I love that but housekeeping here I got I got a shout out Carrie Rock and Colin Anderson uh, Carrie especially has been instrumental in us growing the Water Boys mission uh, in Charlottesville. The guy uh, went and climbed Kelly with me. He's a vet. Um, he's he's a philanthropist, uh, and he's a Charlottesville guy. And we did the mountain. He's going back to do the mountain again, and he's been doing a ton of stuff for us, including riding a, a stationary bike for 24 hours in Texas with Colin Anderson uh, and company and raised 20K for clean water projects through our Conquering Killy uh, program, which is of course uh, our Kilimanjaro climb uh, where we bring vets and players together. We summit, we raise money for the cause. So shout out to Kerry Rock and Colin as well. Hey, the other night, the Manning cast was back and they really do just wait to the last day to drop these big names on you. You had uh, Marshawn, who we've been waiting for, uh, and I, I was taking bets on, is he going to have like good internet connection? Is he going to be on his cell phone? Is, is he going to be, and Cowboy Reed as a producer, I'll let you answer this one, uh, tackle Marshawn Lynch or have to produce a segment featuring Marshawn Lynch? Probably tackle. I think there's <laughs> less, uh, Less variability there. <laughs> it's so much less variability. You know exactly what's going to happen if Marshawn Lynch runs you over. It's going to hurt like a motherfucker. Back of your head's going to hit the ground. But if you got to produce Marshawn Lynch on the Manning cast, you might hear fuck. You're going to be talking about Hennessy. And my man is just watching the game. <laughs> so Marshawn Lynch was exactly how I thought it would be. A lot of fun. And fun to watch the Mannings try to navigate that. There were a few things where all they could say was, I hear you, I hear you. And by the way, Eli and Marshawn, very underrated rapport there. And Eli, is, he's a killer, dude. He's awesome on the mic, man. He just sits there in that sweater and kind of stares off into space like, you know, you fill this dead air. I'm going to wait till I have the perfect one-liner. And then he comes in uh, off, the, off the top rope like he did to Brady, who came on in the second quarter. Brady was like talking to, you know, Peyton. He's like, um, I enjoyed most of our games. Ha, ha, ha. You know, that type of thing. And Eli's like, I enjoyed all of our games, Tom. <laughs> and by the way, we have Eli Manning next week. 
I should probably tell you guys this. Yeah, he's coming on the Green Light Pod. Sack number one for your, your boy here, and then also sack number 69. So I'm going to lead the show off with that and see what he says. But Eli is low-key good at this. Peyton was such a, a, you know, a media favorite for me as, a, as one of these new guys. I'm like, he could do anything. I think Eli is catching up a little bit. Eli is crushing it. So Tom Brady came on in the second quarter. You like Think about the stuff he's doing now. I mean, it's incredible. It's like going from zero to 100. I mean, like in a millisecond. Last year or two years ago in New England, you got the same Brady every Sunday at the podium. That was it, dude. And you might have got those little comics, which are pretty cool. Uh, you got a TV 12 ad. Now you get him on national TV with no delay to speak of. You know, like by that I mean um, delay from somebody, like you heard Marshawn say, fuck, there's no delay. Tom Brady is just in the wind with the Manning brothers for like what felt like 30 minutes. Uh, and it's live television and they're talking about whatever. So it was cool to see Brady. I enjoyed watching those three guys on screen at the same time. It was almost like if I woke up out of a dream from 2018, I would be like, what is going on right now? It's, it, it was great. They were talking about like quarterback stuff. They were talking about inside baseball type stuff. I loved the conversation about balls, okay? I know you must have loved it at home because I'm a pro football player. I've been in a facility for you know the better part of my life, and I didn't know about some of the things they were talking about with ball prep. I mean, you were talking about talking about the the game balls here, which is an awkward conversation. This followed actually the Tom Brady uh, discussion, and this was their biggest miss of the night was not being able to cash in on like a three to five minute period where they couldn't gotten a, a deflate gig joke off. But these guys, the Mannings, it was like Eli started talking about, you know, because it's wet, preparing these balls. <laughs> preparing these game balls is how I'm going to put it for the rest of the podcast as I talk about it. But preparing these game balls, they're hard to throw when they're fresh out of the bag. And then Peyton, you know, uh, is talking about when he played in the 90s, I believe, you went on the road and you had to throw the other quarterback's balls. If you went to Houston or, you know, like Minnesota, you had to play with Warren Moon's balls. And that was something uh, Peyton Manning had to do in the 90s. And they said Warren Moon liked his balls right out of the bag. Reed's face right now. It's too much balls for you. But he, Warren Moon wanted, <laughs> Warren Moon wanted uh, his balls right out of the bag, like unscuffed, slick. And that's a, like if you've held an NFL football, they're hard to autograph barehanded when they're that fresh let alone like throw in weather. So it was an interesting convo about, you know, Peyton and Tom being a part of a petition, I believe. I think they were serious, trying to lead the way to let everybody have their balls the way they like their balls, right? And they had a great oop that they threw themselves to dunk on Tom Brady and they let him live. And by the way, I'm team Tom Brady on that deflate gate. They took the balls away at halftime. They proceeded to kick the dog shit out of Indy worse than they ever beaten up Indy in the second half of that playoff game and then beat one of the best defenses of all time with normally inflated balls, game balls. So that was an interesting conversation. And that that's what happens when you got a bunch of quarterbacks on TV together, man. So, you know, we talked about the the, the special sauce in Indy that supposedly 
the other equipment managers were running around calling these guys. They were putting balls in the sauna. Um, I mean, it was right in front of your face. <laughs> oh, oh, cowboy. But like, I thought Brady, you know, m- moving back a second, took him a minute to get that delay down. That delay is a motherfucker. I'm telling you, I tweeted this last night talking about Sue Burton. I'll talk about that in a second. Like, that delay kind of presents you with a choice. You can try to try to be very conversational and step all over each other. And as the guest, you don't want to do that. But it's not like you're being interviewed by two local radio guys. These are two of the best quarterbacks to ever play the game. Okay. And so you don't want to step all over them when people just want to hear them talk about the game. Like that's the way I felt. And Tom Brady, although he's the GOAT, he doesn't do media. So I said this, like, if you've interviewed a ton of people and you've been on the Manning cast, there's a couple of us who have, and I'm just, which is a funny sentence to say, because again, regular Joe here, but it's harder to be on the Manning cast than interview a fuck ton of people. Like with that delay, feeling like you you know your role, that type of thing. Think about how hard that is. It took the goat like a minute or two to get that delay down. But after like three minutes, it became, when they got in sync, it was just like must-see TV. Uh, they talked about the the Bitcoin that Tom gifted Nate Collins guy who who was Nate's hollow man from Sunday. Uh, the guy who who grabbed the, the Mike Evans game ball. Um, he grabbed Tom's game ball uh, and, 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 and gave it back instead of running off with it. Evidently Tom was like, dude, I did enough for the guy. Like I gave him a Bitcoin and I was like, what the fuck a Bitcoin? Evidently it's worth $62,000 right now. So he's got a chance to, to, to take off to the moon or he's got a chance to go to the bottom of the ocean, choose your own adventure. Uh, Tom talked about, you know, defense is like chasing cars. Like what the fuck Tom? And the most interesting part was him revealing a phone call. The phone call between Tom and Peyton, and Peyton brought this up, and I think Tom's face was kind of like, oh, okay. Peyton evidently fielded a call from Tom two days before his first game in in Tampa and asked, like, how did you get your offense implemented in Denver? Uh, Talk to me about that. And that confirms a lot of what we suspected early on in in Tampa that this was just a struggle for Tom to kind of get that offense where he wanted it to be. I just thought if he was truly put on the spot there, it was interesting. Now, if that was pre-rehearsed because Tom was like, you could ask me that, you know, like that would bode well uh, for the narrative on the first six to seven games of our Super Bowl season last year. He put the goat on the spot with that. That was awesome. And then the middle eight thing that I felt so validated. We talk about this all the time here. If you're in a football building, like those middle eight minutes, right before the half, uh, right out of the half, so important. And when you tie it to the game, it manifests. I mean, we'll talk about Seattle's woes in a second there if you care about that game at all, but they blew it right before the half. The middle eight, yeah, seven to three. uh, They're up. They're over midfield with three minutes to go. Like they're like at the 45 and they find themselves down 10 seven and New Orleans gets the ball in the third quarter all because of a dumb Gerald Everett penalty. I mean, like that was ridiculous. I mean, it's a dumb penalty. You know, he just throws the ball at the D back. I mean, you're sitting at the 45 yard line or whatever it is first and 10. Then you find yourselves back at the 40 and you punt and then New Orleans marches down the scores and you're lucky they don't go two for one there. So that middle eight is important. 
Sue Bird, okay? Like, I saw some people that were like, Sue Bird's segment sucked. Like, whatever, dude. And I had one guy who was like, hey, big tone here, but are we allowed to say that? And I know what you're getting at, dude. You're allowed to say whatever you want. That's the thing about it. Like, you literally just said it. But if you're asking if you're allowed to subjectively have not liked the segment, of course, dude. Like, I could see somebody saying that was less entertaining than Marshawn. I could see somebody saying it was less insightful than Tom Brady in a football sense. But you read Sue Bird on a post-it. She was invited to be interviewed over a football game, dude. And I thought she came across really cool. She got the delay. She was the only person in the whole game, maybe save for Drew Brees because he's done a year of media under his belt, that got the fact that like there's we're gonna step on each other a lot so i gotta get i gotta give these guys space to ask me interesting questions which they did at times uh and a lot of times when they asked her interesting questions or teed her up for something like the coaching her team up you come out of that video and they're like sue you're the coach the player the gm all this stuff and sue's like i want to shout out my coach i'm i'm guessing this is what she was about to do and then there's a cover two breakdown that happens like impromptu and the man who's just start football, you know, and like Sue's like, I got to sit back. So it's a really tough task. And I thought she did a great job. If you didn't enjoy her, like the number one, that's, that's not Sue Bird's fault. Number two, um, you opted into the Manning cast. That's the thing. Like if there's only one broadcast on ESPN, I get people throwing, you know, tomatoes at the tv when you don't like a guest but like it's, it's it's a click away man and you're here anyways listening to god knows what stories all game long i thought sue was cool as hell and my favorite part was when peyton put her on the spot uh on a second down i was like what's the call here sue sue was like i don't know dude <laughs> which i loved. like i what what do you want her to do go greg cassell and like you know start calling out plays you'd probably be mad at that too so um, yeah, you're allowed to say you weren't as entertained, uh, but I thought she came away so damn cool. I mean, she is smooth. Um, and obviously a goat at what she does. So yeah, like Drew Brees couldn't hear her over the sound of my food. You know, I, I broke the first rule of fight club stoned in the kitchen watching that game. Uh, love my job, love my job. Uh, but Drew, I'm sure was fine. The game, yeah, I, I told Macon about this. You saw that text message. I want to read you something because I felt like I, I, Macon and I felt like we know our shit after this one. Me and Make have been trying to gamble the same games on Monday night, you know, double play these games. And uh, we both made our bets before we could confer on Monday. All right. We both teased it because I'm rubbing off on him with the teasers. I go Seahawks getting 10 and a half, and uh, I think it was the under was 48 and a half. Macon says, damn, I took the over. So he took the, the Seahawks plus 10 and a half and over 35 points. I said, damn, over 35 seems safe, but this is at 2 o'clock. 20 mile per hour wind and rain. He texts back, turnovers in short fields, 13-10 would be a bummer. You said it, buddy. You said it, uh, and 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 to that I said, well, the right move is definitely Seattle plus ten and a half. I got to figure out the total. Both teams will be made to earn it in the red zone. Seattle is piss poor converting on third down, keeping drives alive. Most of these heads head to heads have gone under, save for the last one in two thousand nineteen. The Saints beat Russell at home because of turnovers and special teams. I think that was Teddy Bridgewater. Yes, it was. Uh, 
and Macon said I'm a sharp after a week in Vegas. I said, no, I'm just bored on a, a plane. Our plane had internet and I want to gamble. So that was my reasoning and that kind of came to fruition and you heard Macon, he guessed the score. So I guess I scared him off and Macon just completely hedged the bet uh, and teased the, uh, the under as well. So save for the first two minutes of the game when uh, DK Metcalf catches a bomb on Lattimore who's kind of fallen down uh, and you could say it was OPI, but I think the fall, you know, predicated that whole situation. Uh, I was sweating for a hot second, and then New Orleans had the ball to midfield. But the rest of the way, it was just a rock fight. Um, you know, the only thing I was focusing on was Tyler Lockett needing seven points in fantasy. And boy, let me tell you, he didn't get that. The Liberty Cucks are on a two-game slide now. Thank you, Tyler. He scored more in warm-ups with, uh, with Russell there in the imaginary drill. Gino did not play well. You know, there's three times he's come up short on these game-winning type drives. Uh, sack last week, TJ Watt, pick versus the Rams. Now two sacks backed up uh, last night to put the icing on the cake. If you're depending on Gino to win you games in the final three minutes, you're leaving it short. You know, like... I would uh, I would hit the driver. You know what I mean? Like not not the three wood here. To, you know, big golf guy. Like don't don't put yourself in positions. Don't game plan to put yourself in in positions to win it at the end with Geno. There's I, I, no disrespect, and I'm not even making it about Geno. It could be any quarterback that's not your starter. Like your defense isn't good enough to do that. And I think that's why Pete Carroll has gotten so much shit because you don't have an lob defense anymore you can't just play it safe and win it at the end especially without Russell Wilson so you have to make these adjustments and now what you are is you're two and five you have the same record as the Eagles and people are talking about firing Pete Carroll and you know Peyton Manning seems like the strangest addition to NFL Twitter like if you really think it through there's probably no way he gets along with most people in that room but if he if he logged on and just complained about Pete Carroll which he was doing regularly last night with his facial expressions, he would get along just fine with NFL Twitter because they all want him gone. In some ways, I can't blame them because it seems like the, the style of coaching has passed him by. But I also think last night in a vacuum, some of these things that people are complaining about, like not going for it on your own 35 or 40 in a ball game that's like 3 nothing. it's raining, it's, you know, the, the wind's blowing sideways. Like, this is going to be a low-scoring game. You know, I, I'm contradicting myself a little bit with the Geno thing, but you can't get on him on all these decisions. What I can get on him on, because these are his players, uh, is that they made a lot of dumb penalties and decisions last night. Uh, we talked about the dumb Gerald Everett penalty. We haven't talked about the, the Blair personal foul on third down, okay? Or the Al Woods jumping off on a field goal, giving them a first down that bled another minute off the clock and shortened uh, their runway to tie that ball game up at the end. Those last two that I mentioned happened in the same drive. You had the Blair personal foul on third down on a sack where you have him wrapped up, Cowboy, right? I mean, he's wrapped up. Jameis is twisted and turned. The entire pocket's collapsing on him. It's risky, one, to do anything but go punch the ball out if you're driving back towards the line of scrimmage off of an edge blitz, which is what he was doing. So he had a seven-yard head start, and Jameis is in the grasp. They're getting ready to blow the whistle. The ball's right there. Punch that fucking thing out. 
You know, don't go in there and torpedo his jaw. Like that, that's a dumb penalty. Same thing with jumping off on that field goal. Just let the wind and the rain take care of it. Why are we even risking it in the middle? I know that the trajectory might be low, but like, let's be smart. Those are two penalties on the game-winning drive. So the middle eight, as Tom Brady put it, and then the end of the game, what do you do? You do that, and they're the fourth down calls that we talked about. The play call offensively is more what I get frustrated with. You know, Mina Kimes mentioned this on TV today, I saw. You've got like something like 11 heavy boxes, he's running into nine of them, and they're averaging under two yards an attempt. Like it's just not, that's not what you wanna be doing. So Schneider's gonna be in question after this year. Two first for Jamal Adams, who I really like, but should probably be used a lot differently than they use him all the time. Um, and you've got the same record as the Eagles right now, which is bad. And for the Saints, their only chances of winning are giving the ball to uh, Alvin Kamara. I mean, 30 touches last night. I think he's probably sore today. Uh, but that's the only way that they're going to remain com- competitive, especially in weather like that. They finally get to go home. They finally get to get some consistency here. They talked a little bit about how disjointed it's been for them. I don't see either of these teams being like deep playoff contenders. But this New Orleans and Tampa Bay showdown, Halloween, is going to be pretty lit, dude going to be lit as Nate would say last year the Bucks got smacked in the mouth twice before they beat them in the playoffs you know it's an you know in division rivalry you've got Jameis uh you've got Brady and 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 you've got a little bit of a revenge factor because I know he's still feeling I know I'm still feeling my kids are still feeling that 38 to 3 loss where I put my balls in the wheelbarrow and and Tom Brady crushed them and like I had to start a new college fund last year, betting the Bucks money line. So this is going to be an interesting game. Um, line's like four and a half. Can't wait. Bar Scott. And Kamara might have got something cooking last night. He had 10 catches, 128 yards. 118 of those were after the catch, the most by any player this season. Through his first five games, he had had 15 catches for 113 yards. Almost equaled that last night. And Jameis Winston said something at the end of the game that caught my attention. He said, we just take what the defense gives us. And I was like, why are they giving you Alvin Kamara, dude? Like, that's the only way I think <laughs> that you can beat us right now offensively in that weather is like an angle route, is an option route, or something in the flat where he breaks a bunch of tackles. So I don't know why I'd have to look at the tape. He's just perpetually open on an offense where there's no vertical threats right now, especially in that weather. I like them all. I like the shitty games. I like the exciting ones. I like the low-scoring ones. I almost like the low-scoring ones better because it's easier to summarize them. There's less crazy shit that happens. So, um, Manning cast, low football. Uh, me and Mike will talk Thursday about um, for the Friday pod about maybe who we want to see on the Manning cast. Glad it's back. You have choices, people. Sue Bird's a legend. Hey, I got Chris Carter, another legend here. My Blue Wire teammate. We had a talk Saturday. Your boy was was hurting. Your boy was hungover. Uh, your boy was nervous. He was in the new studio. So I think we did a pretty good job. Reed, you enjoyed the interview? Yeah, that was great. It was Sorry. fun to see you guys after hanging out on Friday night talking. <laughs> it was cool. It was so cool just hanging out with Chris. I like really enjoyed him. I know Reed felt the same way. Our whole crew was like, what a nice guy, dude. Yeah, he was a 
good dude. He also enjoyed talking to the fans walking by the studio. He, does. he really enjoyed that. He did. And that was the thing was like you had this glass on the side of this beautiful studio uh, and, and people are just walking through the wind. And he's really good at what he's doing right now because he's able to kind of keep his monologue in the air, stop, talk to five fans, go back to it. He's a people person, Chris Carter. So uh, enjoy the interview, uh, and I'll be back with Megan on Friday. If you're in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, Tennessee, or Virginia, and you haven't yet tried the WinBet app, I've got great news for you. WinBet is now offering a 200% wager match for new users up to $1,500. That's just an incredible offer. WinBet is basically giving you double your first wager in free bets. Don't pass it up. Download the WinBet app today. Terms and conditions apply. Must be 21 or older and present in a state where WinBet is available. Gambling problem? In Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. In Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, and Virginia, call 1-800-GAMBLER. And in Michigan, 1-800-270-7117. Tennessee, y'all too. 1-800-889-9789. All right, Greenlight Pod here from Vegas. Uh, and I play with a couple Hall of Famers, and now I'm teammates with another Hall of Famer, Chris Carter. What's up, baby? What's the word, man? All good, man. Look at us. We, they, they rolled out the red carpet for you, and I'm here. So this is cool, bro. This is cool. Started off working with your dad. Yeah. And now I'm down into the family. Yeah. It's, it's a good thing. It's Dude, good it's good, thing. and it's been great catching up. And I didn't know how bad we needed a Chris Carter podcast. Like, I've seen you on TV. <laughs> But I didn't know how bad we needed this wide receiver one podcast. What does podcasting give you that TV doesn't? Well, I think that the players, they come in in a very relaxed atmosphere. Right. Because it's not week to week, game to game. And there's a lot of traps in interviews and everything that players, they don't want to be responsible to their teammates, answering questions about their teammates, the coaching, the salary cap, contracts. All those things can become – it stifles the player's creativity. Yeah. But in a podcast, you're basically talking about all the things, their brand, everything that they want to talk about, and basically trying to uncover some things that the normal hardcore football fan that they wouldn't have. So I think that, you know, them becoming comfortable enough with you that they would share things that typically in a sit-down interview with a beat writer or someone covering them or covering the team that they necessarily wouldn't share. And to me, um, I want to be connected to the game. I've been very, very fortunate that over the last five decades, I've been associated with the NFL. And to me, to be connected to the modern-day players, that's where it is. That's where the game, that's where where the the fans want to hear about. They are the image of the game. So for me, being connected to them, it becomes critical in becoming, continuing to stay relevant and I've learned a lot. The wide receiver position's changing over the years, and of course, human beings change, um, you know, through different eras. So, being connected with the guys who play the game is probably the most important thing about doing the podcast. And they trust you. That's the most important part. They respect you and they trust you, which is like, I think you know, and it's nothing against beat writers in twenty-four hour news cycle, but like you and I both know, we've been in locker rooms. We both right. played in Philly, okay, like in different time periods, and that's a tough. Mm-hmm. city and then we both played in the midwest mm-hmm. where they're not going to be crowded around your locker as much which is kind of a blessing yep but the beat writers are looking for low-hanging fruit they're looking for the things that they have to pay the bills and get a story out every day that's not us we're a small fraternity and we look after each other 
And I think that over time that guys should be more and more comfortable talking to guys, NFL legends, guys that have played the game. There's only 26,000 men that have ever played the game in 101 years. Yeah. There's only 12,000 of us that played more than four years. Yeah. And if we can't report on the game, talk about the game, the most popular game in the world, I see you, Philly, E. A G L E S. Let's go. Look at this. Dude. Let's go. He's got the Liberty Bell. Sure, we go. got AI here. Yes, dude. What a city. Like it, what a city. It's been thirty years since I left I Philly, and to get that type of response, that's what the game's about. I get about, chills. Man. I get chills. Like that's that's what the yeah. game is about, yeah. man. These fans being able to share our experiences and our career. We saw through the pandemic. Every athlete around the world will tell you. Man, a crowded stadium, <laughs> that's what I've always dreamt of doing, yeah. and it makes it so hard for me to do my job. You talk about the, the media, man. Do you have people that you study, like you study tape, like over these years as you've kind of mm -hmm. like built your career out? Do you have people that you really respect in the game? Right. I, I think that we have such a small and unique fraternity that through the years we have had people that go out of their way. Yeah. to try to make sure that there's a pathway. Um, when I was 18 years old at the Rose Bowl, I met Amant Rashad. Oh, that's cool. And I told him, I want to grow up to be like you. Um, later in my career, I was able to meet Lynn Swan. Mm -hmm. And I looked at him and told him, man, I want to grow up to be just like you. And just through the fraternity, guys have gone out of their way. Chris Collinsworth. And not because you're here, your dad. Your yeah. dad has done a great job of mentoring me. Your dad used to call me when I was playing in Minnesota, ask me questions about the team. And he would ask me in a way that, Chris, you can talk to me. And then I knew on Sunday when I was going out there, he was going to utilize that information to tell a good story. Responsibly. Compared to just shooting it out there. I got these nuggets and everything. I'm going to make a name for myself. Um, your dad has done a great job um, before I got into the business, even once I got into the business, um, as far as continuing to help help guys like myself um, cultivate a career in broadcasting. So for me, I always feel it, uh, I must try to help young people, try to sharpen their skills, um, no matter what type of um, career they want. They want to be a podcast. They want to do radio. They want to do television um, locally, nationally, internationally. Um, try to be a vehicle so that people can sharpen their tools and actually give them an opportunity so that they can um, really um, enhance their skill set. You talked about wide receivers and the game changing, and you know, Lord knows it's changing up front with defensive linemen as well. Mm -hmm. How long could Chris Carter play in today's NFL? Well, we all think that we could play longer. Yeah. I, I, I think that, you know, I'm, I'm – the shelf life is probably like 14 to 17 years. Yeah. But, like, to really – at the end, I was taking a young kid's spot that should be out there playing. Like, I wasn't, I wasn't as good. Like, just real talk. When did you feel like, that? It's, I, I think that when I had moved my mind to being a broadcaster and I stopped doing that combat training. And combat training – is when guys wake up with a purpose in mind besides the gym. It's not I'm moving weights, but I'm moving bodies. I'm getting myself ready to go into that spot that I have to go into, that I got to be in this mentality for five months to get right. through this season. Right. 
I'm not just going to the gym. I'm jumping on the treadmill. Oh, I'm doing some clings. Oh, no, I'm hitting a little bench press. Oh, I'm doing some dumbbells. No, man, I'm good. I'm, I'm transforming for what I got to do. Right. Like, I know what it's going to feel like in October. Like, I know what it feels like on a Monday morning after a big, big game and trying to get my body and mind to accept yeah. this punishment yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and enjoy it. Yeah. Because I got to do this again, yeah. and I got to fall in love with it. Um, to me, the greatest players in the world are in love with the ugly part the of this bit. Not the not the the glamorous shit. The like, hey, I, I love the sound of a quiet film room at seven o'clock. Yeah, you know when everybody right. went home, you just get this buzz feeling like I'm doing a little bit extra. Like at least I can look the man in the mirror, you know, in the eyes. And right. that's when when you stop enjoying that. It's a little different, and I almost came back at one point too. And I know that you came back, right? You you were doing yes. TV, mm -hmm. and then you came mm -hmm. back and played Miami. Absolutely, it is really hard to flip that switch back on. I don't think people realize the craziest part about it is like you become a different person when they say it's, like you can relax now. This way, and and I can talk about this because I, yeah. I I I'm on my second marriage. Yeah, playing and retiring, it's just like a marriage if you're having problems. If you're trying to keep that marriage going, don't talk about divorce. Don't talk about the things that lead to divorce. And if you're going to be trying to play in the National Football League and you have experience of playing this league and playing at a high level, you better not start talking about retirement. Yeah. Because them workouts and everything are going to become real, real hard for you to finish them. You know, at the end, oh, can I run? Congratulations. I think they're getting married. Who's they getting got married, married right now. Congratulations. Oh, congratulations. Congratulations, bro. That is awesome. Amazing looking couple yeah, the there. The jacket is great. The dress is also great. Obviously. Great combination. Yeah. yeah, you guys you guys rock. Yeah. And also my marriage advice to him, hey bro, you want to keep that woman? Don't be talking about divorce. They showed up. Don't right be talking at the about right leaving. Time, you dude. see that? I'm 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 dropping nuggets here. That's free of charge. Dropping jewels in the Ooh. wind, dude. Chris Carter. And if you're trying to play a long time, man, you got Tom Brady told Belichick, I, I'm going to play a couple more years. Well, that's going to be a problem. Yeah. Well, I'm going to play a couple more years. He told Kraft, I'm going to play a couple more years. The only person who listened to him was Tampa Bay. Okay. Yeah. No problem. Yeah. I think they just extended Tom again. Yeah. <laughs> so there's a method in the madness of the greatest player that we've had play the game. Man, don't be talking about leaving. Yeah. If you got a good job, man, don't talk about leaving. Stay at that job, man. Work that thing out. Like, that's what it's about. That's the grind. That's the special part, you know, about being an elite athlete. Yeah, and when you're like year three, you're like, I got no choice. I'm trying to make a career of this. Like even me who was drafted high, like I'm like, there's no, nothing else in the world that I'm committed to. But then when you get, you, you, you know, get older, have kids, you're like 11, 12, 13 mm -hmm. years deep, you start getting, uh, you know, dissatisfied with the politics and the BS and the building. Right. Like it's easy when you have that out, like you said. And when it gets really hard, you think about that out. Absolutely. Rather than like powering through. Um and they didn't hit – talk about the hitters, man. We were talking about, like, length of career. You know who was one of my coaches? What, what do you think when you hear this name? Chuck Cecil. Watch out. <laughs> watch out, dude. Man, watch out. That dude will send you to the hospital and not care. <laughs> like a, a, a sinking missile. Like, he going to hit you in your temple or in your knee. Like, he going he gonna to hit you in a spot. Like, and if you're not careful, that dude in your career. Bro, he, he couldn't play today. No. No, there's a Andre, lot of guys. Andre Waters, yeah. old Philadelphia guy, yeah. God rest his soul and everything. But, yeah, but there's a whole bunch of guys up front. I mean, Deacon Jones, he said, 
I slap a guy upside the head. They say, well, does it work? It says, well, it makes them pause for a minute. It makes them think about it. <laughs> yeah. Stops their feet. Yeah, he said, it makes them pause for a minute. By yeah. then, I'm, be, I'm, I'm beyond it getting yeah. after that quarterback. So, yeah. yes, every, any business, there's a transition. There's new rules. The game's played a different way. Learn the rules, man. Like I told my son, there's rules everywhere, boy. Master the rules. If you want to be good at anything, find out what the rules are. And then master the rules, whatever it is. Yeah. And that's how you become a success. Yeah, absolutely. Is there, like, crossover with wide receiver play and D-line play? Because I feel like our drills would often be near each other and individual, and I'd see you guys doing handwork, and I'm like, we're kind of doing the same stuff a little bit. If I can get that tackle or that DB, Mm -hmm. because for me, when I have great, great physical attributes, but the number one skill I have is my brain. Yeah. Because when I think about a defensive back, I go into the defensive back room and I find out what did the coach teach this guy. And then I attack every principle that he was supposed to learn. What do you think is the biggest drill that can help wide receivers work their hands? Is it like a mirror drill? Is it like, is martial arts really a thing? Like in, in D line rooms, we talk about, hey, guys are trained in the offseason, martial mm-hmm. arts, footwork. What is it? What's the, All right. what's the forgotten? This is what I teach, man. Yeah. I, I teach there's three points of contact on the arm. Yeah. It does have something to do with martial arts. But you have to realize when a defensive back is in a squatted position, he's in a man-to-man position, the first thing he is going to do typically is extend his arm and try to put contact in your chest area. Yep. So for me – I've studied a lot of offensive line tapes. I've studied a lot of defensive line tapes. And besides the kickback on the tackle, that's the first thing you're going to engage with the lineman is once he kicks back, he is either going to typically that out hand, yeah. that outside hand, he is going to try to put this in. Especially when I got in the league. Everybody was a puncher, and I don't know how press corners. Yes, are absolutely. Yeah. And he's going to try to hit you right in the middle of your chest yeah. to build, stop the momentum. Yeah. Bump and run is a lot the same way. Guys are a little more locked in, but typically when they fire either their left or their right arm, I try to teach young wide receivers there's three points of contact, his hand, his elbow, and his shoulder. Yeah. So then that's when the martial arts and the knockdown, the swipe, or the arm over. I want this right here. I, if, want, I want the back of that elbow. If I can get it. That's yeah, the that's the perfect. Yeah. So if I can grab your hand, I'm going to grab the what I can get to first. Yeah. So I try to grab your hand. Yeah. As you try to reach out and touch me, yeah. the DBs are like, what are you doing? When they reach out for me, I grab their hand. Yeah. Because if I'm able to leverage that hand, their body and everything else is going to foul. Yeah. And then like you said, if I miss the hand, if I can get this elbow – they can cancel Christmas because yes. ain't going to be a whole it's bunch over, of gifts. Cause that Because you know what that elbow does? You know this. I'm telling the people at home, like as far as pass rush right. is concerned, we try to get the outside of that elbow because what does that do? It turns your shoulder. If you get somebody's wrist, that's one thing. But if you can, t- if you can manipulate somebody's torso right. yes. with, with the right p- pressure point or whatever you want to say, like wherever you mm-hmm. – you know, it's the accuracy of it. So and then the last one yeah. is the shoulder, yeah. which might be the shoulder. It might be the shoulder pad or it might be their jersey. Yeah. So those are the three things that I'm eyeballing. Those are three very, very similar techniques that the offensive linemen 
and also defensive linemen are trying to look at in that battle because it's a battle of hands. Yeah. I also teach first contact wins. Yeah. People say, well, football is a contact sport. Okay, but if you can avoid the contact, you're going to be able to make contact when you want to. Right. Football is a game. I make contact when I want to. Yeah. All right? For you, when you're rushing, left or right, your speed first. Yeah. And at a point, you're going to decide, I'm getting ready to lower the boom on this exactly. dude. <laughs> so exactly. So it's on your terms. Yeah. So a lot of these techniques from a defensive end and a wide receiver are very, very similar. A lot of them come from the martial arts world, and you can see a lot of carryover from the positions. And, yes, I've spent a lot of time in trying to study what do defensive linemen do against offensive linemen that's very, very similar. But the one key is no matter what position you play, who's ever playing that opposite position, you need to go into that film study. That's, you need to go into that, that coaches and find out what are they teaching. Yeah. And then any type of coverage where the coach tells a guy, don't let him do something, I remind him yeah. what the coach told him. Right. Coach said, don't let him outside. Yeah. Coach said, don't let him grab you. Coach said, don't let him put your jersey. Which is also a head game. Absolutely. Yeah, and I love the head games. And, and you said it's so true, and I did this when I got smarter later in my career. Like, I would go to the point where my D-line coach one year was like, hey, why are you talking to the O-line coach every Friday? I'm like, no offense. It's just a different perspective. Yes. And that's the whole key. Different that's, eyeballs. Yeah, and, like, if I know, like you said, what they're being taught, I can crack that code. Another thing that's really funny is, as I got older, slower, naturally, mm -hmm. you know, like, if I was a receiver, I'd be more of a possession receiver. I'd be a, I'm a power defensive end who, who used speed as a changeup. If I can close that distance and get your feet to stop, then I'm going to hit the edge. But as I got older, I changed the way I played the game. And maybe there's some of that with wide receivers, mm -hmm. too, where I might want to get to that, that game of chicken quicker because the fractions of time for me to get around the corner are more dire. Absolutely. I'm a little bit slower. You start figuring out, yeah. okay, what is the best solution yep. for at this point in my career? Yep. And then also you have more knowledge. There's a lot of opposition research, man, and there's a lot of, like, learning as you go. And, and I think it's really cool that you played as long as you did and were as, you know, kind of – intellectual as you were about your craft I mean that's that's all the Hall of Famers are I feel like I mean I loved it I yeah. love the X's and O's I I used to love a good game plan yeah. on Wednesday and the coach comes in I'm sitting on the edge of my seat I'm like I'm getting ready to give somebody the business this week mm -hmm. like man we got a game plan all of our tendencies that we're going to be breaking let alone the things that we do standard yeah. that, that go well yeah so that that, to me, kept me in the game probably longer than, than normal. And you know what drove me out? Bad game plans. <laughs> Bad game plans and being bored in meetings with yeah, the kids. Holy shit. Listen, and excuse my French, if there's any children in the wind hallway. And by the way, if you've got kids in Vegas, man, it's kind of like having them up watching TV late. Like, you're going to hear some things. So, like, you know what I mean? Like, it's very bold to bring kids to Vegas. But, um... No, I mean the, the, the meetings. D lineman, bad we, game plan, and and D lineman, we don't do anything. We pretend we're working, dude, because we don't have like the schematic right. depth that y'all do. Like you're learning the entire route. It's pretty much the same every week. See ball, get ball, depending <laughs> on the defense you play. Right. Yeah. Hey, so wide receiver one, like you, by the way, it's awesome. So check it out. I mean, like I just love the, you know, the last generation talking to this generation and comparing notes. That's like one of my favorite things. Um, but if there was one DB. 
to break the rules mm -hmm. and you had a corner on or somebody that you guys would have a really interesting in-depth conversation. I would probably say I played against six Hall of Fame defensive backs. Yeah. I will start with Mike Haynes. Um, Mike Haynes, it, he was one of the original guys bump and run. Like, that's what I'm going to do. Yeah. Um, Daryl Green, phenomenal. Speed, great character guy, longevity playing the game. Rod Woodson, great athlete. World-class high hurtler um, in high school. Went to Purdue. So, Deion Sanders to me. And Aeneas Williams is five. And there's one more that I'm missing, Champ Bailey. But Deion Sanders to me is because Deion. Yeah was a student of the game. Yeah. Dion is taller than people realize. And Dion has an amazing reach. Like when he wants to reach out and touch you and bump you, yeah. like he can. Yeah. He has such great recovery speed that people know about, but people don't talk about Dion the technician. Dion smart. Yeah. Dion understanding the passing game, realizing there's only really three levels to throws. Once you get beyond five five yards, there's only two more levels. Yeah. Once you get beyond twelve yards, Dion's like, "This is either going deep or you stop." Like that's it. Yeah. So for me, he was able to teach me as we battled at the Pro Bowl, and then we sat down and talked about wide receivers, DBs, mm -hmm. techniques, what's good, what's not good, and also what he likes about my game. Yeah. Like what he feels is would give him problems with a guy like myself. So um, if it was, if I had one guy and he probably thinks he's a wide receiver too. So shit, I, I wouldn't even have to change the name. Yeah. <laughs> Deion can play any position with yeah. that athletic ability. So Deion Sanders, if I, I could cross over wide receiver one and took any other guy and had him plugged in there, that's who it would be. You know, it's funny. Cause nowadays, if you watch the last dance, you probably did. Mm -hmm. Everybody always does the, Hey, old, old guys in older generation didn't ever hang out off the field or talk or compare notes. Like, but Jordan and Danny Ainge are playing golf. And then I find out my dad was uh, who roomed with Cedric Hartman. Okay, um, yeah. They had me and Joe Green, who was my dad's hero. When they came to Alameda, they all sat around a little dinner table and ate mm -hmm. dinner, like the night before the game. So you guys did compare notes. You guys were cool off the field, depending on. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we understand battle. This is what our generation, I believe, has so much better than other generations. Because we're into battling each other and being competitive yeah. without being combative. Yes. See, you can't compete against a guy nowadays, and now it's like a personal assault it's gonna, like, it's on his character. And Twitter like, something. do you want to fight? Or do, like, yeah, we're competing. Yeah, it's a game. The game's over with. Yeah. So stop talking yeah. <laughs> about it. And I believe that that generation, our generation, has that compared to these guys like to talk a lot. Yeah. And I like to bust them in their face, you know, because <laughs> yeah. that's what they do. They do a whole bunch of talking. But physically, like, really, are they mentally as tough you know, as the previous generation? So, yes, athletes are more athletic um, than ever. Yeah. Yes. But their overall durability is, is not there. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, the battle, man, the, the the battle mentally and physically to be able to continue to play at a high level, it's always there. Yeah. It's always present. And it's it's almost impossible to try to keep that edge. The only guy, the only way I think players now are they have to deal with something that y'all didn't is just in the onslaught of social media criticism. It's just nonstop. Now it's up to those players, just don't log on. 
but that like every day you get feedback. Like you know what I mean? If if you had a bad game, rare. These guys want praise. Yeah, they want praise. <laughs> yeah, like they want exactly. praise. But if I would have a bad game, yeah. it's just like when I went into the film room, and I used to tell my wide receiver coaches is be careful if you call on me after I drop a pass because I close my eyes. Every athlete is like a super high-definition camera. Athletes take pictures. Their brain takes pictures. And when you're catching a football, you're catching an object, or even when you're rushing the passer, at one point, the play goes from fast to slow motion. Slowing down. Like, you could see his hand, you could see his hips, you could see his eyes. Like, you can see things like that as you start evolving, you know, in the game. You know, so for me, the ball started coming in slow motion. Yeah. I used to be able to see the cross of the ball, the tip of it. So people used to say, man, what are you looking? I said, I, I watched the point, but I catch the fat. <laughs> so I watched yeah. the point of the ball. And then it but I catch the fat yeah, part of the ball. Yeah, yeah. And as the game starts to slow down, those things, all those, I got thousands and thousands of pictures of catching balls, catching balls, catching balls. Now here comes the drop. Oh, no. I'm getting ready to close my eyes. Yeah. I'm not ready getting ready to put that in the computer. Right. Because the more I put that in there, the more negativity, yeah. the better the chances is now I'm on the road. The fans start booing. You drop a pass. Uh-oh, doubt starts to creep in. So for me, I realized the brain is like a computer. Ch-ch-ch, oh, positive image. Mm-hmm. Ch-ch, positive image. Oh, I drop. Oh. <laughs> so when the film comes on, yeah. I'm not watching that over. Once I've made the analysis of why, okay, I let the ball get too close to me. I analyzed the play. The DB got his hand in there, and, and because I didn't come back to the quarterback, it blocked my vision. And you already know that when you get experience. Yes. And that's the thing is, like, that can be a dance in a position room where you want to give the coach due diligence, like, let him coach, but at the same time, like, mm-hmm. coach, I already know what happened. Like, believe me, nobody hates that I dropped this ball or missed this sack mm-hmm. more than I do. Like, we don't even need to right. hit it. And but, you mu- but you must remain yeah. coachable. Coachable. Like, I don't even care. Like, I, I've been on TV 20 years, even doing a podcast. I can learn from a young person. Yeah. So you listen to them, even in business. No matter how long you've been in it, you can learn from a person from a different perspective, different set of eyeballs. So you're always growing. As yeah. a human being, I want to always be growing as yeah. a human being. We, we were talking about the old NFL a minute ago, the vet, man. Like, Philly. We talked about Philly last night. We talked mm-hmm. about... You know, we talked about distractions. You've talked at length about all that stuff. Yes. And, you know, as also what I think is cool as a side note is Walter Payton, man of the year, all that stuff. But, like, but somebody who, somebody who's a role model but has been somewhere low. I, I think that, you know, for most people, they have situations in their life where they were immature. They didn't treat the situations the right way. Yeah. And that's what happened to me early in my career. Um, just a kid from Ohio in love with football. But going to a city like Philadelphia was a culture shock yeah. to me. Yeah. I mean, it was I had never seen that many people before in my life. I had never been exposed to big city living like that. And it got the best of me. Um, but people say, well, you know, you go to pros, you change and everything. No. What happens when you get money is money enhances whatever's Whoever in you. Whoever you are. 
So it's it, whoever you are, dude. I'm with you. Dude. So if you got roaches in your life, when you get some money, you're gonna, you gonna the roaches gonna come out. People yeah. gonna see them. If I have one regret in my career, yeah. And people in Minnesota, brace yourself, okay? Yeah. I wish I would have had that career in Philly. I mean, those football fans, the Minnesota fans, they do appreciate me. But the people that invested uh-huh. in me, I like them to be able to see it. Yeah. Like, because what they saw, Philadelphia saw what happened. Yeah. They saw that I could do it. Yeah. I didn't do my part. Yeah. So now the Philadelphia fans, they get robbed. I got to go to Minnesota, get my shit together, yeah. and, and then resurrect myself and then have a Hall of Fame career. But if I have one regret, and I'm not a person that likes to have regrets, but you should learn through life. Yeah. I wish I could have gave those people what they saw inside of me. And I still have a great relationship with the Philly fans. They hate Buddy for cutting me, but Buddy <laughs> had to do that yeah. to be able to get the, what I call, get the wine out the grape. So <laughs> That's good. So the vet, man, like, drunk tank underneath it. They're throwing drunk yep. people away in there. They got... And this is the old NFL, so the way my dad describes it, the people are smoking Newports in, in the locker room and the whole thing. Like, you, you yes. late 80s, paint that scene for me. It's for real. I mean, the AstroTurf, I'm talking about hard as this table yeah, dude. in Philadelphia. I, I mean, don't know how dudes played that long. Neanderthal. With, oh, they're, my they're, God. But the vet and being in big cities and kids transforming, going from wherever you grew up, yeah. you know, wherever you went to college, to in the NFL, man, it's a huge transition, and a lot of us get caught up in big city professional life, and we don't get the best out of our career because of that. Yeah, I mean, we're right here in Las Vegas. I don't know if we should be saying this or not, but this is a tough place. I mean, like, if I was a young player, it's a tough place to focus. I mean, so, I, you know, it's another thing is, like, and I think the key is you got to have veteran leadership Yes. The coaches can tell you one thing, but, mm-hmm. like, to have the vets, somebody take you under, like, the way you probably took Randy under your wing. Right. You know absolutely. what I mean? Like, yes. Did you have that in, in Philly? With Mike Quick, Mike Reggie Quick. White. I mean, you're talking yeah. about some amazing guys. Yeah. Seth Joyner. Seth. Man, Keith Byers, Keith Jackson. Man, we was low. Yeah. Man, we were stacked. Yeah. And stacked with good human beings. Gary Cobb, man. Oh, Harold Gary Cobb. Oh, Harold, when he comes to work, everybody smiles, man. Man, Gary Cobb had been playing like 13, 14 years, man. His chest was so big <laughs> out of USC. Yeah. He has a high top fade. What about Jerome Brown and that D-line, though? Clyde Simmons was Ooh. one of my coaches in St. Louis. Me and Clyde are pretty cool, and I just Ooh. love the stories, bro. Mike Pitts. Oh, my. Silent Assassin. God. Golick. Golick. Yeah. Yep. All of them, Your man. Guy. They had a crew. Yeah. And – they were kind of the heartbeat and vibe of our team. One game, man, we're watching film on Monday, and Dale Hop, old legendary Buddy Ryan disciple from the 85 Bears and everything, he was their defensive line coach. And on occasion, Coach Hop would correct them, and they didn't want to be corrected. Right. Or they told Coach Hop he was wrong. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, our, we, we, our divider – was was split up between the defensive line room. Jerome, Reggie, Clyde. Divider. And, yeah, the divider. Like, like a, when like you know the office thing? When they cut the room. So like when have we have a the wall? team meeting. There was no walls? Not a structured wall. That's not crazy, in this dude. situation. Not a structured wall. Old NFL. So man, we could hear. <laughs> oh man, F you. F you. It's like we was like, hey, man, pause the tape. And then also we could hear Jerome. And then Coach Hop. Coach Hop was like, Jerome was like, 
man, I'll kick your ass. And Coach Hop was like, well, come on at it. Yeah. And <laughs> next thing, the divider falls down. <laughs> Coach, and, <laughs> Coach and Jerome are fighting. <laughs> oh, yeah, who won? Well, you know, man, you Jerome, know. <laughs> Jerome is not to be fooled with. No, dude. Jerome Brown is not. But to that's be. a D-line room. That's a D-line room. Sometimes we get little coach, that skirmishes. Mentality. Yeah, and the D-line coach might be talking shit right back, and oh, we might man. be talking shit right back it to them. It was amazing. Yeah. yeah. Jerome, how good would he have been? God rest Jerome his soul. Was, man, Jerome and I were roommates, man. Yeah. We had a uh, – Jerome had – he was the first-round pick that I was drafted. I was drafted in the supplemental, so the season had already started. Jerome picked me up at the airport was like, listen, man, you don't need to buy a place. I got a condo in Cherry Hill, New Jersey. Let's do this. You stand with me. Pick me up. He had a um, a tricked out Acura, uh, Acura Legend when the Acura just came out. White one. It looked like a big white ghost. Yeah. Riding around the streets of Philadelphia, hitting all them potholes. Yeah. Jerome Brown, man, truly one of the best interior defensive linemen. Before Warren Sapp was Warren Sapp, there was a guy named Jerome Brown. Yeah. And unfortunately, you know, he was in a car accident at a young age, him and his nephew. Um, killed instantly on the back roads uh, there in Tampa. But truly, man, a great man, truly a great friend to me. And that's one of the things about the NFL, man. We, man, we got some great dudes. Yeah. I mean, we play with some great guys, but I could, I could pull, uh, pull out my phone right now and just go through a list of, you know, I'm talking about beast warriors. I'm talking about tough dudes mentally, physically. Yeah. But just good salt, good, salt of the good earth. Good people, dude. Good people right now if I needed something. A list of them I could just call and ask any of them. It's a self-selective fraternity. Yeah. The longer you're in it, there's a reason. Yeah, um, absolutely. How about your list of quarterbacks in Minnesota? Because I didn't realize how many damn quarterbacks you played with. Can you name them? Man, we went through some. I can't name them, but I think I made. Here, I'll do it. I'll do it. Let me do it for you. Jim McMahon, Sean Salisbury, Let's Wade Wilson, Rich Wade Gannon, Wilson, Rich Warren Gannon. Moon, Warren. Randall Cunningham, Brad Johnson, Jeff George, Dante Culpepper. I'm kind of wondering, like, are you the best wide receiver of all time that had the least stability with that relationship? Well, it is what it is. It is what it is. You yeah. Know, you, you it's get, a lot of quarterbacks. You know, I'm like, you can either make the best and you can try to, you know, turn chicken shit into chicken salad. You can sit around and complain. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you could do whatever you want. Or you can maximize the moment, maximize their ability, and – I knew who these guys were. Yeah. So what it did was I knew that I had to get open. Right. I knew I didn't have a whole bunch of time. Right. And I knew that when they threw it, I had to catch it and um, try to make the best of it. And to me, I just always tried to do things to make them feel better about themselves. Yeah. Um, I used to try to make spectacular catches so that they knew they didn't have to be perfect. Right. And then also that – even if I had double coverage, I still felt like I could make a play, you know, on on the football. So, or break a pass up. It, it's a it's <laughs> it's a partnership, yeah. man. Like it's not. No one ca ca career is etched like in stone as far as okay, yeah. like I, he was drafted in the perfect place. You have to make the best of your opportunity. You do and they're all not equal. But no, they're we, no, they're know, not equal. We all but have opportunity. Yeah, we we have one, and and I just made the best of it. Um, Warren Moon, man, you know, like for fans nowadays that that roll their eyes at people talking about the Rooney Rule or people talking about the emails or mm -hmm. talking about like mm -hmm. you know racism in the NFL. What do you mean the league is seventy percent black? Like Warren Moon, you're forgetting people in my generation that one of the best all time had to go play in Canada. Six years. 
six years of his youth playing quarterback in Canada before he was accepted to come back. Um, I got Warren Moon when he was washed up. Now, check this. I use washed up um, as a compliment to one of the great players, first team, first ballot Hall of Famer. I got Warren Moon after Houston. They was done with him. Yeah. He's 38, 39, getting ready to turn 40. Yeah. This is what Warren Moon and Chris Carter did in two years. 244 receptions and 24 touchdowns. He got the numbers. I only, I only played with him. I only played with him two years, bro. He's like a computer. 244 <laughs> and, 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 and 24 touchdowns. Yeah. First year, it's easy to do the numbers because I had 122 catches both years. Oh, good. So I broke the NFL record um, in the first season. Yeah. And, but we had a bad year as far as touchdowns. Warren said, next year, man, you got to come back and you got to have double digits and touchdowns. So the next year, after the seven touchdowns, we came back with 122 catches and 17 touchdowns yeah. after the seven touchdowns. So, yeah. you know, that was a nice, 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 nice year. Warren Moon, that's my dude. Warren Moon is uh, he's on a different level. Man. Yeah. Yeah, and talk about like a major OG, like when you're like, dude. Warren Moon was taking care of himself. Warren Moon knew all the spots in the league. Warren Moon was a massage, chiropractic, extra weight lifting. You want to play a long time. Ahead, this, of, this, ahead of his time. Yeah, this, this is how you're going to be able to do it. But had a body like a Greek god, yeah. man. <laughs> like dude had a body like a Greek god. Warren Moon, man, he was a he, – he was a – when I broke the NFL record um, – there's a world-famous uh, black artist um, who does paintings and everything. Um, former NFL player. His name's Ernie Barnes. Okay. So I commissioned Ernie Barnes to, to do something, um, a painting, to show him how much I appreciate it. Because at that time, I was really just a journeyman, yeah. a guy trying to, you know, even though I had been in the league five or six years. So I have this painting. He paints it, and I have it shipped to Warren's house and everything. And Warren's like, man, I got this big box in my house, man. Why are you? Why did you do that and everything? Yeah. And I said, Warren, I'm just trying to show you how much I appreciate you. Like, the greatest season ever, broke the NFL record. And this is my appreciation. Yeah. He said, man, you're stupid, man. That's my job, man. That's my job. That's Stop my it, job. Dude. I thought he, he said, was going to say, just catch the ball. Or he said, that's my job. My job is to throw you the ball. Yeah. So – he taught me so many lessons, lessons on and off the field, but his overall longevity, his professionalism, yeah. and um, another guy too, man, give you the shirt off his back. My my thing I've always wondered about Minnesota and your time there because like you guys deserved a ring, and like things go the way they go, but like the Atlanta game, I think end up playing Denver. Mm -hmm. I'm wondering how you guys felt like, and I know you don't think ahead or whatever, but how you would have matched up against Denver in that game. The thing about Denver, Denver was one of the great teams, man. Yeah. They had a very good defense, and they had figured out Elway was at the end where he wasn't classic John Elway, but Terrell Davis was hell on wheels. Mm -hmm. And that running game with the play action with John, because John could still pump it down the field deep. Yeah. Um, they had a great football team. Yeah. I mean – and, and what goes to show is, and, and I'm not trying to not put our team into their storyline because obviously the way it worked out, that team won two Super Bowls. Yeah. Like, it's rare. Yeah. You know, it's rare to win a Super Bowl, but that team was so great. So people ask me, well, what if that 98 team, if we get there, what do we do? Um, yeah. I, that Denver, I gotta respect them. Yeah, now, it's, it's yeah. not hypothetical. Yeah, they won two Super Bowls. Yeah, you know, so um, they they took Atlanta apart, and um, 
ultimately uh, took Green Bay apart too yeah. with Reggie White um, in that in that team. So winning two Super Bowls speaks to how great uh, that Denver team was. Chris Carter, Hall of Famer, podcast host, Renaissance man, and a guy that thank goodness he's here because they rolled out the red carpet. This has been an awesome experience. Blue Wire teammates, Chris. Thanks for your time, man. I appreciate you, big dog. Yeah, Keep man. doing great things, even um, the things you've been doing abroad for a while that you don't necessarily um, try to create tension. Yeah. But what you're doing and giving people life and giving people hope who have no clue who you are. Well, I, I mean, just, and you utilize the resources um, that God gave. You could do anything with them. Yep. I mean, you could take them on a blackjack table, roulette table, and blow them. But what you decided to do is me and my family, you know, we're going to do something substantial in this lifetime. And um, I don't care anything about Super Bowl rings. I don't care anything about anything that you ever do. Um, what you've done yeah. is a tribute to society and to the great legacy that we have as NFL players. And me, um, as a legendary player, greatly appreciate that. Man, that means a lot coming from you. And check out his podcast. He's a great dude, and he's a great host. Uh, wide receiver one. Appreciate it, big dog. All right, man. TickPick should be your first choice to buy football tickets because they save fans money by never charging any service fees ever. Visit TickPick.com slash GreenLight today and use the promo code GREENLIGHT to save $10 on your first order of NFL tickets. TickPick, that's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, Got rid of all the service fees that the other sites charge. TickPick guarantees the best prices on all of their NFL games. If you can find better prices for the same seats on another ticket site, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference in the purchase price. If you're like me and you can't wait to get back into an NFL stadium, visit TickPick.com GreenLight today and use the promo code GreenLight to save $10 on your first order of NFL tickets. Hey, y'all, we want you guys to interact with us more on social media here. Let me not sound like a fucking cop talking about this. We want you to talk to us. You know, like sometimes you get on there and you're like, hey, y'all aren't talking to us. Just type us a message. I don't know, we'll be on VSCO soon. We'll be on all types of shit soon. So right now it's Twitter, it's Instagram, it's YouTube. Uh, leave some comments, man. You know, Twitter is at Greenlight and uh, YouTube, we're at GreenlightTube. And uh, we're also always looking for free stuff. So we are once again asking you for random free shit in my Bernie Sanders meme voice. Uh, send packages to 2150 Y Street, number 5267. That's Charlottesville, Virginia, 22905. Thank you in advance for all the wonderful things you'll send us. I'm